dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary AFL Podcast. I'm your host, Pez, and you're joining us for our 2022 Ladder Prediction Show. Where the countdown is on for round one, and we are super excited for it to be started. We put out a, a show yesterday, you know, getting back into work and things like that. So that's on all the podcast apps, so make sure you go and listen to that one. And then we've got our Ladder Prediction Show, which we're going to talk about the structure and how it's going to work, and we're very excited for it uh, tonight. And we welcome Source, the co-host, ready to go, and hopefully you've done your homework and you've got your ladder ready to go. Ready and raring to go, Pez. Uh, this is one of my favourite shows. It's easily the show that takes the most work um, put into it with analysis and reading the newspaper, looking through podcasts, Fox Footy, reviewing lists, looking at the injury list, you know, having uh, running your eye over some uh, pracky games and some intra-club games. And as I spoke uh, about on the last show, Pez, uh, still a little bit fatigued from it, still trying to get a little bit match fit. So this is the perfect way to get you uh, raring and ready to go for the 2022 season, Pez. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's... Um, as I mentioned yesterday, I think it's a really close competition this year. I'm really intrigued to see we have some teams finishing. Uh, I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, and as I said yesterday on the show as well, I haven't looked into uh, lots of things on Twitter. I've stayed away from AFL Twitter and things like that over the break. So I haven't seen uh, too many people's ladder predictions. I've only seen you know, a few things and noticed a trend with some teams You know, going more towards the bottom, the stronger teams up the top. And I'm very excited. I found it very difficult to to place teams. I, I could place teams in a bracket together, but to actually place them with a number next to it and, you know, to put yourself out there uh, is a very difficult thing to do. And we'll see how we go because uh, this year I'm pretty confident in my ladder, which uh, with everyone that does a ladder prediction <laughs> probably says that every year. So how is it going to work this year, Source? Um, it's going to work the same as we did last year um, and the same we do every year, actually, Pez. Both you and I do not know each other's ladders, and I like that you said that you hadn't really seen any other ladder predictions. Either have I. I've uh, sort of just been looking into the list development and you know what the, the rumours are around about how teams are going to be, uh, you know, how some, some people think that they're going to rise or fall. Uh, and one, one thing that I'm finding, Pez, is not uh, two shows or two podcasts or two you know radio talk hosts or two articles. No two articles are the same, and that's really right. Uh, what's really exciting for, for this season. Um, the way it's going to work tonight is we've got nine teams that we're going to go through, Pez. Nine teams at random. We were sitting together last night. We picked out nine random teams. Uh, there's no order to it. There's no theory to it. It's literally nine random teams. Might as well have been pulled out of a hat. We're going to go through where they finished last year, the expectations of where we think, what they think uh, they're going to play style-wise, how they're going to perform, make our prediction each, where they're going to finish. At the end of the show, we'll recap those nine teams. And uh, on our next show later in the week, we will fill in those missing teams, uh, the the remaining nine pairs. So if your team doesn't get mentioned tonight, just make sure you stay tuned for our next show where we go through the whole full season and the final ladder for 2022. Yeah, it's going to look pretty weird. We're going to be putting out a ladder that's half full because we're only going to have nine teams on it. So I'm excited about that. Give people something to talk about for a few days and then uh, get the rest of the teams in there ready to go from there. So, Source, all your preparation done, you ready to go? All ready to go, Pez. Got my phone up, got my Excel spreadsheet going, got our Google Doc going. I am ready to go, Pez, just like our first team uh, that we're going to go through. Are you ready to get started, Pez? Uh, oh, 
give me a minute here. Give me a minute. Oh. I've, uh, I just wanted to speak to the fans just from the heart about how I have structured my thoughts this year. Just so when I'm speaking about the teams uh, today and the next show, they know where I'm coming from. So these are some of the things that I've considered source. So I had a look at last year's form and uh, their position and where they finished. I, I definitely had a look at the new recruits, the ones that I think would make a, a really big impact because we've got a lot of changes from different clubs. So could change the structure of gameplay and game style. So that could be mentioned as well. Long-term injuries, always a big thing. We had a big discussion about Ben King and how that's going to affect the Gold Coast Suns. So we'll see where we've got them on later this year. Uh, also the fixture difficulty. So I had to had think about the 6-6-6 six, six, six rule source. So the top six teams obviously getting a tougher fixture in inverted commas uh, than the bottom six teams, you know, playing teams twice because our, our fixture in the AFL isn't really uh, random. It's, it's a fixture to try and make the most money and get teams playing uh, the good teams twice and the, and the crap at the teams down the bottom playing those other teams twice to give them more of a chance to win to make more money. And uh Real home games versus away games, which I'm looking forward to speaking about as well. And the other thing I did consider is, in all seriousness, actually pulling the teams out of a hat and just placing them on a number uh, because ladder predictions are really, really hard to do. And at the end of the year, it can all be uh, just throwing darts. So there we go. Yeah, really interesting, Pez. Uh, everyone has a different theory to it. I like how you um, considered the fixture and, and all the anomalies that we talk about near the fixture, the previous form from the from the last year, key injuries that have happened, or the you know players returning, um, the expectations as well versus the actual realities of last year. And I went through a similar sort of process, Pez. So the the way I do my ladder prediction, I always start off uh, by going through the teams and sort of ranking them, looking at their lists, and you know doing a little bit of analysis and data collection, same sort of thing, wins, ladder. Uh, whatever, and I give them an initial ranking pairs. What I've done differently this year, though, is I actually have gone through and gone through a couple of different websites, and they've collated the the player rankings pairs, and then totaled the player rankings with their their best twenty two and given an overall score. So I've used that as well to help guide um, guide some of my teams with those ones are a little bit closer there. When I go through a proper list analysis of their best twenty two, which teams I think you know on that potential or the talent they've already displayed, where they fit, and if they have their best twenty two on the park, which obviously we're expecting. 90% of the teams to have where they're going to fit in. Then I went through good old squiggle pairs. Uh, we use it every year for the AFL predicted the un- unofficial sponsor of the AFL uh, 2022 ladder prediction by Behind the Boundary podcast. And I go through, it's a great website, and you tip all the winners, all the losers. As you said, some of those teams are a bit 50-50, and that's what I did. The teams that I'm a little bit unsure if, for example, if I had uh, St Kilda versus Essendon, I think they're roughly going to finish the same, same sort of mark. Margin. One got a home win, one got an away win, so they split those. Uh, and it was really interesting what the, what that spits out. Once that spits out, I uh, move things around a little bit because I am quite conservative with percentages when I'm doing those. Um, and that's how I went about the process, Pez. So um, it has been a successful process in the past. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we fare this year. A little bit of analytics, and you'll notice I didn't mention Squiggle because uh, – I did go to the website and then I thought, you know what, I'm not putting myself through this again and having teams <laughs> up and down in here like that. So I've just gone through my little process. So Squiggle's out for me. So sorry to the unofficial sponsor, even though they're not giving us anything anyway. Uh, and Source, you've used them a little bit, but not as we did last year. So very interesting to see. Let's get into the first nine teams. Let's kink things off, Pez, with the Gold Coast Suns. 
a uh, fan favourite across the AFL, the graveyard of football as we refer it to. We've got the Gold Coast Suns last year. They finished 16th with seven wins and 15 losses. Um, some really big key additions that they're over the offseason that they uh, traded for and recruited. We had Marbel Chol, Levi Casbolt was a huge inclusion for them. He was really good on the weekend against uh, an opposition that I'm not going to mention. And Charlie Constable from another team that I'm not going to mention, Pez. Uh, no, the Geelong Cats. So some really big recruits there. Unfortunately, Charlie Constable uh, has done his groin, so he's out for four to six weeks. And obviously the massive injury at the Gold Coast Suns is Ben King ACL out for all of 2022, won't return till 2023. Pez, how have you got this team um, finishing off this season? Well, first one, cab off the rank, the graveyard of sport Gold Coast Suns. So um, what I will say about them, they, they have picked up players ready to play, like Constable, even though he's injured at the moment. Cholt and Casbolt. So they're ready to play, but the only issue with these guys is that they're pretty much fringe players at other clubs. So they're not, you know, first, first five, first six selected in a club. So they haven't been able to bring over any real talent. Um, still, no doubt, the experience and, and the bigger bodies will, will help with the, the young Gold Coast side, as we say every single year. The one disastrous thing that you wouldn't want to happen if you're in the Gold Coast Suns management is a, a season-ending injury to Rao or uh, Benny King. And it did happen to Benny King. So uh, he he was a big role in their in their forward line last season. Uh, he's instrumental in a lot of their scoring in 2021. And a restructure of that forward line won't do the Gold Coast Suns any favours in 2021 uh, or in, and when it comes to 2022. And I think that the Gold Coast Suns, unfortunately, are going to be right down there, definitely in the bottom four bracket. I've put them uh, at number 17, so second last source. Second last, uh, not much expectation for you, Pez, with the, the major inc- uh, inclusion of the injury. How much did the uh, Ben King aspect fare into the result? Yeah, I'll, I'll, they could have been 16th in my book if uh, Ben King was <laughs> a fit enough. You know, fighting fighting to get out of the bottom four if, if Benny King's there with a few more wins. But um, it's going to be hard because they're going to have to go through Alex Sexton, who I think has, you know, been in and out of the team, but he's a multiple goal kicker. But... He's, he's not that key forward that you need, but he, he's going to need to kick bags for them to win games, and it's going to be very tough for them to do. So 17th for me. 17th for you. Um, I've got these guys for, um, having a better season than they did last year. I think one thing that is that they've actually been set up for and that they were a little bit... Um, you know, it was really rocking last year. They had had a really great preseason. Matty Rao was having, you know, probably the arguably the best four or five games that anyone has seen. He had nine votes in, the, in his first uh, first four games for the Brownlow and was leading. The one thing that's been good about this Ben King injury is that they haven't started the season performing well and then lose him and have that big sort of heart shock. They've been able to prepare for it. I think that one thing that works in the Gold Coast favour is on their best day, a lot of their players are sitting in that 23 to 25 mark where we know that players are at their, their prime of the football. They've got an absolute superstar in Took Miller. They've got, a, you know, Lukosius who showed some, some flashes last year. I think their back line's really strong. Will Powell, Sam Collins was in All-Australian contention last year. Jack Bowles and Sam, um, Sean Lemmings. I think that they've got enough to be able to compete, but the problem is that all of their players need to be playing their best at the one time. We know with young teams, that doesn't always seem to happen. So I've got them finishing 14th. I think that they have uh, a couple of winnable games. Their fixture is quite um, it's quite favourable towards them. They'll play a lot of those games up in Gold Coast in that dewy, cold, hot, you know. <laughs> it's almost a Melbourne up there except for extremely dewy and wet. We know that they can sneak a couple of wins up there. And if they can make that a fortress, they should be able to win five or six games 
games, which should get them out of that uh, that bottom four. Well, just out of that bottom four, Pez, finishing 14th. So uh, a disappointing year for them, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom. They need to work hard. They need to show that they can keep Ben King and show him that there's something for him to come back to. I think that's the, the big um, big pass mark for them is showing them, hey, we're, we're building something here. We need you a part of it because we're going to play our asses off this year. Well, there you go. First uh, cab off the rank, one down, eight to go. Uh, 17th for me, 14th for you, Source. So the 80-odd uh, Gold Coast members, they'd, they'd be happier with uh, <laughs> your end of it if they finish outside the bottom four. Uh, speaking about Gold Coast and moving on to uh, the 80-member club to usually an 80,000-member club when they're up and about, the Collingwood Footy Club is next on our agenda. They finished 17th last year. They only had six wins and 16 losses. So wasn't the best year for the Collingwood Football Club with a lot of things off-field as well. Who They add in Patrick Lipinski from the Western Bulldogs. So he played in the in the grand final and he's come across uh, there. He was in doubt for round one, but he, he's there ready to go. You've got Kruger from the Geelong Cats, who's probably not, not a notable name, and Nick Dacost, who uh, a draftee. You know, he's, he's got a lot of hype about him. He was there watching Collingwood games and he'll, he'll be there ready to go as well. Their, their injury list, they've got, a, they've got a few questions before round one, which is really worrying. You look at um, the names of these as well. You've got Adams, Howe, uh, Lipinski, Majacek, uh, Quayna. They're all tests for round one. And then you've got Jordan Roughhead, who's probably round four or five. So they're all the, the big names for the injury side of it. Source, Collingwood, 17th last year. Let's see where you've got them. Um, well, like last year was really disappointing for Collingwood. It was the the lowest that the team's ever finished in its history. Obviously, they've won wooden spoons, uh, spoons before Pez, but never as a, an 18-team uh, league. It was when there was a, a little less uh, in the league. So their worst finish ever in the club history and not winning a wooden spoon, which is which was pretty um, an interesting stat that I found. Last year... Oh, I love it. It's a great stat, isn't it? So it's really, really, really different. Uh, I, I love it. So um, that's what I'm for, Pez. I'm all about those little, little uh, tickbit facts... Uh, uh, and uh, all the data analysis, as you know. <laughs> uh, so next, next, uh, we're actually talking about uh, the, the way that they're going to perform this year. And unfortunately for Collingwood fans, I predicted it last year, bottom four finish. I'm predicting it again. I think that they will improve. Well, do you know what? I think that they'll improve because they were going to play the kids. I think that they need to play the kids. They've got a new coach um, who's already indicated that they want to have more of an attacking sort of game style, which we know last year that Collingwood really had a scrappy sort of defensive um, um, style of play. They made it really difficult for oppositions. And with an attacking sort of style, we know that... If they turn the ball over, you're going to get scored against in that attacking sort of style. Young kids playing, I think that they have enough um, to be able to compete with some teams. But as we know with young teams, and we just said it with the Gold Coast, they fatigue, they get, uh, as the season goes on, they get tired, they're inconsistent, uh, and they really could get opened up against some of these better teams. Dacos is ready to go, Pez. He looks absolutely Mickey Mouse. He's probably going to win uh, a rising star. He's probably one of the top three contenders for that. He's a ready-made footballer. And I think that if the Collingwood Football Club, they play the kids, I'd be okay with the bottom three or four finish because they're developing. The issue that I have with Collingwood is that they've got a lot of uh, sort of medium sort of talent and some older bodies there that if they played their best 22 to win now, they probably finish maybe 15th, 16th, but it's not what they want. Go through the draft again, get another high pick, develop the kids. This is a rebuild. This is a legit rebuild. And I think 17th is probably where, where they're going to finish. 
Oh, there we go. The Collingwood fans will be up and about. Another 17th finish. So to draw their lowest ever finish in the competition in the actual history. All right. My view on Collingwood source, the mighty, mighty pies, the big number, 17. How good is that that they finished 17th? <laughs> now, this list in 2022, I don't think it's strong enough to compete in this league source. So looking at all the list analysis that we've done, their, their list can't actually compete. You put the best 22 on there, they're still not going to make it anywhere near the finals. So they have great individual players. So they've got match winners and, and really big names, but more so individual players that haven't been able to put it together and play consistent footy uh, on that consistent basis. They they can't seem to stop the run when another side uh, goes but goes at them three goals in a row, four goals in a row uh, last year. So that, that was uh, super disappointing there. Uh, and they can't counter-attack going the other way. So... Uh, this club, this list, everything that they've shown, I've got them a little bit higher than you, Sauce. So you've uh, got them down, cut them deep. I've got them at 15th. So take uh, Gold Coast at 17th, Collingwood at 15th. I'm starting to fill in my bottom four already. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those bottom four, but that's uh, not far off it, Pez. It's really interesting. I think last year they um, they started the rebuild. They played nine debutants last year. I would expect that as the season develops, they start to sort of get the tap on the shoulder, some of those older names. Scott Pendlebury, he's going around for another year, Pez, but outside of him, you know, and we're going on his old history of, of being, uh, you know, an elite footballer, and I'm sure he's still an elite footballer, but not to the potential that he was over the last 10, 15 years. They don't really have any A-grade standouts. If Dacos um, is the player that everyone says he is and all the hype is great, then they've got one A-grader and a whole lot of, like, B, C-graders. And as you said, their list isn't good enough to win it. Uh, I don't think, you know, like... I just, yeah, I'm not going to talk much more. I've got him 17th. you got him 15th, Pez. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do have to say one more thing. You remember the Travis, Sloak, Travis Cloak glove incident when, you know, had a bit of sticky stuff on it and he was marking the ball a little bit better. Maybe the same thing with the uh, the Big Cox Sunnies. Yes. Maybe he'll be able to see a little bit better. He'll be, he's on the hunt for 100 goals this year. He's sitting in the 90s source, so... We'll see if he can get a game and actually uh, get to the 100 goal mark, the big fella. Well, I thought he was only wearing the sunglasses because all the Collingwood fans thought his future was so bright, Pez. I thought he was just using it to deflect a little bit. But uh, yeah, the, the smiles in the, in the members <laughs> at the crowd when they're when they're back at the footy this year will be uh, will be deafening with all the teeth, the bright shiny teeth there. Well, uh, it'll be pretty dark then if we're looking for Collingwood supporters' teeth there, Pez. Uh, the old joke there. Sorry to have... Geez, we've potted Collingwood early. Um, thank God North Melbourne's not mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> we're giving someone well, else a Well, we run. know all the Collingwood supporters have, uh, have uh, turned off and switched off. They're not listening to part two either, but uh, let's get to the third <laughs> club and try and make them happy. Yes, and uh, I think, Pez, if uh, anywhere of last year's form is uh, the way this team performs, then the fans will be happy. We've got Port Adelaide last year. They finished second. They had a disappointing final series dropping out in the prelim final um, actually getting really flogged in that uh, prelim final after earning themselves a home prelim final in Adelaide they finished second as I said with 17 wins and five losses and they picked up some really big names pairs in uh, Dumont and uh, Jeremy Finlayson from GWS some really big inclusions there a couple of draftees are probably not going to get too many um too many sort of uh, games in this uh, elite team. Uh, 
no real big injury concerns. Pez, uh, maybe Trent Dumont, who had another concussion. Uh, so he might be one to watch probably round three or four get back, depending how he pulls up with that. We know what they're like with the concussions. Other than that, we've got uh, Razio Fantasia that will make his way back sometime early in the season with that uh, reoccurring knee injury that um, sort of plagued him towards the end of the AFL season. Pez, Port Adelaide, are they the real deal? Where do they finish in 2022? Oh, well, this this team source, you, you never really can be too sure with the power. Um, they love to dominate part, parts of the season and they love to sit at, at the top and then they fade away when it comes to finals and big finals, you know, earning themselves a, a home prelim final and, and getting smashed there. Not the ideal way to finish for the power. Uh, definitely with this list, they're going to be thereabouts. So they're, they're bringing in Finlayson, which is, is kind of a, a strange one, uh, especially if he plays up forward because you've got big bodies down uh, Port Adelaide with um, uh, Charlie Dixon and, and Todd Marshall and a few of the other guys there. So uh, it was a little bit strange for me, but uh, you can't, I can see them dropping a bit, but as an inter-team, they're definitely going to win enough to make finals because it'll be really easy to do when they've got uh, half of their games at Adelaide Oval and uh, especially when they play some of the, the bottom sides there. Uh, they did finish second last year and, and I think overperformed in all honesty. So I've looked at other teams lists and some other teams, you know, on the rebound and uh, ready to go there. So I've actually dropped them down a little bit. So still making the finals, of course. Uh, And this could come back to bite me on the arse here, but uh, I've put Port Adelaide down at sixth. Down at six. Wow. That's a, that's a big drop. That's a massive drop there, Pez. Uh, Main main reason why? Yeah. I I just think that uh, them together, the, the, mental stability of over the last two years they've they've done really well during the COVID times and you've seen west coast really struggle uh i, I think getting back to normal uh having you know more flights going into state uh more often and, and doing those sorts of things I, I don't think they're gonna be able to keep up with it and i don't think their their midfield's gonna fire as they did last year and we saw that in the the pre when the pressure came on in the in the prelim finals so i think there are five teams that are going to finish on top of them and that, that are, are better than the port adelaide footy club this year so that's why they're sixth it's a really interesting point that you bring up pez about their midfield especially during the final series they really got exposed and you know i think when you're relying on Ollie Wines and Boak to be your best ball winners, that's great during a regular season. But as the season goes on, those older bodies, uh, there's no real, you know, Ollie Wines is elite. You know, Boak accumulates the football a lot, but there's no game winners. And there's no third star in that. At times you thought maybe it was Amon, but he sort of just gets the ball. Robbie Gray, when he plays those five, ten minutes of absolute brilliance, but he's not a, not a game winner where he breaks open the game. That's the biggest concern with him in the finals. But Pez, we're, we're talking about the regular season. And I think Port Adelaide, they're young, they're hungry. I think their back line's pretty good with, you know, uh, Tom Jonas having a breakout year. Uh, Darcy, Bur- Darcy Byrne-Jones, one of our man, our main men's. Dan Houston, Aaliyah Aaliyah. Um, and then you know, they've got a pretty elite forward line with so many weapons there, young weapons. If all of those weapons take the next step in their forward line, they're really, really dangerous. And I think that they can, um, they have a favourable draw with 90% of their games probably going to be in Adelaide. And um, they play two, obviously, games against Adelaide and Adelaide. So they're going to get, what, that's 10 games in Adelaide? Probably 10 wins. Uh, and I think that gets them um, climbing up the ladder uh, from where you've got them, um, but falling from last year, who they only sort of got in in that last round. Uh, I've got them finishing fourth. I think a top four finish. I think that they're a regular season team. I think that they're young enough to be able to smash those uh, teams, the bottom feeders, similar to what Western Bulldogs did last year, have a really big percentage. But their big concern for them is going to be going to finals. But 
we're doing ladder predictions, not final predictions. If I'm looking at uh, where they're going to finish in terms of the season, I've got them going out in straight sets, uh, top four finish. That would hurt. That would definitely hurt them going out in straight sets. So you've got them in the top four, in top four ranking. I've got them at sixth. Let's move on to the next club source. Uh, another, uh, I guess, fan favourite of the Behind the Boundary podcast, the Carlton Footy Club. So we've got a lot of you Carlton listeners out there, and hopefully you're still going to tune in after we are done with your club here. So Carlton source last year, they finished 13th. Uh, they, you know, uh, had eight wins, 14 losses. They haven't made the finals since 2013 and they haven't finished above 11th. So just keep bear that in mind. A massive pickup in Adam Chera from the Freo Dockers, uh, really big coup there. And George Hewitt from the Sydney Swans. Lewis Young can come in and help out in defence from, from the Bulldogs as well. Uh, so a couple of big recruits there. We've got a little bit of uh, injury with Sam Walsh. Uh, with is it the, the syndesmosis source that he that he got in the preseason? So that's definitely not ideal there. Uh, we've got a few other things. Tom DeConin, he'll have a test to, to get back in. Colin, uh, Caleb Marchbank coming back to rounds five to eight. He won't be too much of a of a loss, but a pretty important piece down in defence. Uh, Harry Mackay with his foot. Uh, so he's had an interrupted preseason as well. But Sam Walsh, the big one there, round five possible return. Could be earlier depending on how it goes. But syndesmosis, the word just doesn't sound any good. So not looking too good. Where have you got the Carlton Footy Club? I'm glad you're not my doctor, Pez. Oh, geez, that word sounds dangerous. You're out You're out for three <laughs> or four years. <laughs> it's hard to pronounce. Uh, you're in trouble here, sir. Um, look, I think, I think Carlton is one of those teams over the last four or five years. The joke's always been that they're coming. And I think that this is, this is one of those years where you look at this list, they've got a good list on paper. They had the, the common medalist from last year. Their back line's pretty strong. They've got some elite, um, you know, Brownlow winners, uh, basically vol- uh, pole getters, I should say, Pez, in that midfield. Sam Walsh was, was huge over the, you know, the, the season. They've got Paddy Dow with those big body pers- uh, big body midfielders. I think the inclusion of Chera, you know, a top five pick in his day coming into the side really helps for Zach Williams. They're heavily recruited and much touted uh, ready-made midfielder, as they were touting in his last year, uh, to play back into his trouble. natural position. I think the, the problem is with Carlton is it's got nothing to do with the, the talent on that list. It's their game plan. And with Michael Voss coming in, the big question for me is, are they able to get the culture right? A lot of the times you looked at the way they were playing and you're like, well, what, what, is, what is their go-to? What sort of system are they using? Um, a lot of the times there's a lot of uh, hero ball that you would sort of tell it in basketball pairs where it's the me, not we mentality. If they can change that and they can get themselves playing like the Richmond brands or like the, you know, um, you know, the North Melbourne brands that they were trying to emulate, the Essendon brand that they played last year of that fast movement, that high ball movement and just hitting the people that are open, not worrying to get about 30 possessions uh, and whatnot. I think they can have a really good season and... And for me, the new coach is a big playing part. I've got them having a big season, pairs, and I've got them finishing eighth. Oh, here we go. In in the eight source, the Carlton Footy Club. So Michael Voss, obviously a big factor there. Um, you must have liked the, the season of the recruit when he was on there uh, showing his, <laughs> his justice in coaching. Um, now, I, I did I did say, and you said it's always the joke, I did put my first comment here, is this the year they are coming? Because haven't finished above 11th in whatever it is, nine years. Uh, so very, very disappointing. And and Chera, I've got a big, big uh, 
exclamation point on his name because he's going to be really good for this midfield. Uh, is he the answer to bolster their midfield and give some help to Walsh? Yes, he is because he can take some uh, some stuff away from Walsh there. And uh, Cripps can also benefit as well. And then Williams, as you mentioned, Sauce, I love that point, that he can actually go back to a natural position because he was running around like a headless chook last year <laughs> to get touches in the midfield. So hopefully um, they're able to do that. Uh Look, they'll, they'll lose games that they shouldn't because it's a Carlton Footy Club and, and Voss will take a little bit of time to, to build that culture. And I'm, I'm giving him that year leeway type thing here. And uh, they're going to win a couple of games that they shouldn't win. And they seem to do that every single year, no matter who their coach is and who's playing on the field. Harry Mackay and the way he goes in the in the Coleman medal will have a big uh, impact of how many games they win as well. I've placed them at 11th because looking back at the last nine years, they haven't finished above their source. So I'm not letting them go any further. Uh, so 11th for me, not making the finals, uh, but they're, they're about where I think uh, 7th down to probably 12th, they're going to be all competing for the 8th spot, but 11 is the number I've landed on here. Yeah, I love that point, Pez. I definitely think from, you know, I've actually got a little bit higher in, in almost 5th fifth to, 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 to 11th or to, what did you say, 12th? It was as low as you went. All fighting for those positions, I totally agree. But Pez... You heard it here first. Carlton win round one from the first time they've beaten Richmond since that 2013 final where they came from ninth, and that will set up the season. The belief will be around, mate. The blue baggers are we're going to be back for sure. No, thank you. <laughs> Pez, the no thank you there. All right, Pez, from the Carlton Blues on to a team that we really enjoyed last year to watch. They played a fast brand of football, and uh, despite them finishing six, they had the same amount of wins as Brisbane and Port Adelaide finishing the top four. I am, of course, talking about the Sydney Swans. They finished, as I said, six with 15 wins, seven losses. Um, some big inclusions, I think. Uh, Peter Laddams, uh, Paddy McCartan, uh, your your mate, Pez, uh, very highly touted... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Very highly talent, uh, talented football there. Um, and probably the biggest injury concern that they've got, Pez, um, is Callum Mills, who's still out. Um, they say test for round one, but my uh, my mail is that it's probably uh, closer to round four or five. And he was a huge part of the reason that they did fall away towards those last couple of weeks. He really uh, broke up in that midfield. So he'll take a little bit uh, of time to come through there. You've also got uh, Tom Papley with his hamstring. Again, some of those early rounds that'll be back. And uh, that's about it, Pez. We've also, we also know that uh, Lance Franklin is always a 50-50, but he should be getting uh, closer to playing with his 1,000 uh, goals uh, coming very close. Yep, definitely to that 1,000 goals. So it sounds like, source from your little synopsis there, that Sydney are pretty healthy. If, if Callum Mills can, uh, you know, be tested and be back around one, they're pretty healthy and ready to go, which is good. They made the jump up last year. Now, the pressure's on uh, for them. They did finish in the top six, so they're, they're meant to have a, you know, a harder fixture than other teams. Now, they lost Dawson's left foot as well, uh, source from from defence. They lost Hewitt's tagging ability, so they, they've both left to other clubs. They add in Laddams. So Peter Laddams and Paddy McCartan, who I'm not sold on the impact that both of those players will be able to make to this Sydney list, but I do like the makeup of their side with a really young core. And then they've got a couple of old timers to top it off. So uh, you got the likes of Parker in there to top it off and Kennedy and Haywood and Florent and uh, Chad Warner. So also the, the young core there, I, I really enjoy the way they go about their footy. Tom Hickey's in there in the ruck ready to go as well. Games at home will help them, and I can see them competing in most games in 2022, so even on the road. So I've actually got them higher than Port Adelaide Source. So they're actually in the, the top five. Are they in the top four? Not for mine. Uh, I, I've got them finishing fifth. 
Got them finishing fifth, Pez. Uh, so they're finishing one higher than last year, but still not making that top four. Pez, I'm all in on Sydney. I loved watching them play last year. I think that they had um, a lot of key... Um, a lot of key games that they really just showed their length and their their skill. They've got a really good list, as I said. You know, Luke Parker and Josh Kennedy continue to defy the odds and continue to rack up those those possessions. Their goal uh, their goal attack is pretty pretty strong. We saw Sam Wicks kick a couple last year out of nowhere. Isaac Heaney they were a little reliant on Lance Franklin last year, and they need to sort of get that out of their system and have some other um, some other avenues for the goal. But in saying that, he's an absolute champion of the game, and there's no reason why he still can't kick fifty goals in the way. That he is an absolute force, but they had a lot of young kids come up and break out in their first or second years. A lot of talent there. They did, you know, lose Jordan Dawson, Pez, but you don't let Jordan Dawson walk out the door if you're not confident in that they can replace him. And uh, they didn't offer him that big deal, and like Adelaide did. So I'm pretty confident in some of those other players coming through. Callum Mills, they're excited with. Uh, they've got uh, Ollie Frolin in there. Who, you know, one of my mates, uh, the old orangutan, Ollie Frolin in there. He loves a uh, loves getting the ball. Uh, Jake Lloyd still still making, um, you know, a good target for them. Uh, I've got them finishing very high pairs. I've got them finishing third. <laughs> there we go. So, say I was a bit sketchy when I had them at fifth. I didn't know how the reaction was going to be. You got them third in the in the top four. If they can, you know, keep those players on the park, they they are a definite shot to to compete at the top end. So I, I like that a lot. Um, let's see if this this team can compete at, at the top end and uh, with their success in the last 15 years they weren't very successful last year this is the Hawthorne footy club we we speak about they finished 14th last year source they had seven wins 13 losses and they were able to mark up two draws so you can either say they had eight wins and you know, 13 losses or the, the seven wins and the two draws there, same points anyway. They've got Max Lynch from Collingwood who didn't really play much for the Magpies uh, and then just some draft picks. So it's not too much movement, which is different to years past where they've been topping up and, and doing a lot of those things just to try and stay relevant and, and to stay involved. So Hawthorne, a little bit of a different tact with the new coach, Sam Mitchell, coming in as well. We look at their injuries. Uh, you've got Will Day, who got injured late last season, and he's still to be confirmed, which is really worrying when um, uh, it happened last year. Uh, Jarman Impey should come back in the in the early rounds. And, and Giath, with his knee that he got injured last year, we, ever, we all loved watching him. Uh, he's, he's a test for round one as well. So not much going on on Hawthorne. I'm wondering if they're going to get a new game plan or whatever, but... Where, where do you have him with their new coach and how do you see Hawthorne? Well, I think it's a, it's really tough for Sam Mitchell Pez coming into this because he's replacing the greatest coaching one of the greatest coaches ever, basically. And, and I think what he needs to do is he really needs to um, build his own game plan because um, when you're replacing someone great, you, you need to make an impact. And he, he has one of those people that we know that has no problem voicing his opinion. He seems to be a great coaching mind. So I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how he actually, uh, how it all unfolds. You know, their last eight games last year, Pez, they drew two, they lost two, and they beat Brisbane and the Dogs. And and they, sorry, they drew with Melbourne in that, in that time as well so two two uh two losses two draws yeah what's that four wins which is pretty good in their last eight but that was under Alistair Clarkson when they've gone you know what screw this you sack me I'm showing you what you're missing I could have been part of this rebuild so I think that uh, realistically they're a boring team to watch there's nothing really that stands out for them you know some of these bottom teams you've got one or two players that are elite I don't really see where their elite player is as you said maybe will day had a standout season a couple uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, was it last year or the year before sorry that he had that real breakout season but but he's gonna come yeah, back last year had a good year yeah he's gonna come back um, you know as you said injured they moved uh, Kasinski, uh sorry Kowitzki up forward he showed 
showed a little bit of little bit of life in him. But realistically, when you're relying on Jago Mira and Tom Mitchell to win you games, because that's what the way the way they're going to win it is winning the footy. I just don't see them making an impact. I, I have them finishing uh, the wooden spoon, Pez. I've got them finishing last. Oh, the wooden spoon. That's got to hurt. <laughs> Hurt the Hawthorne fans after all their success in the, in the last few years. So that's very interesting, though, because I know another team that uh, wants to add another wooden spoon to their collection. But we'll um, we'll save that for a little bit later. But about Hawthorne, we know rebuild city now. With the success that they've had in the past fifteen years, source you, you can't blame the club for trying to top up players. Okay, so so no one's saying that. But now the club's actually gone clean slate. Alistair Clarkson, you've been the best coach in the AFL. You're out the door. We're getting in Sam Mitchell, young blood. We're actually starting again because we can't just keep you and we're not going to ruin your your win-loss record. We're not going to ruin your coaching resume uh, by keeping you in and losing the majority of our games over the next few years. So clean slate start again. Some big losses, I think, will be on the cards this year. And I'm really, really intrigued to see how Sam Mitchell goes about it. And we did already speak about the game plan source, but that's what I'm more um, wanting to see. Is it, is it going to be... Uh, surrounded by the midfield and the focus is there at winning the ball and moving it out. Is Tom Mitchell going to play his little happy handball game and collect his 40 disposals and have no impact moving forward? Uh, Lots of questions to be answered. I think they are going to finish in the bottom four. I think just because of uh, a couple of talented players alone, they'll win a couple of games and they're more talented than a couple of other clubs. So I've got them third last at 16th source. Yeah, and Pez... You, you hit the nail on the head there is when you've been up and about and you try and mortgage your future on winning for now, you're left really in the lurch for for, um, for draft picks and the talent they're coming in. Like, you know, they're a team that finished bottom four last year and their first pick this year was, was pick seven. You go back last year, they were a bottom, you know, bottom side. Their first pick was pick six. The year before that was pick 13. So they're in a rebuild and the last three years of picks, they've had two in the top 10 and that's not really good for touting with a rebuild. If you compare them to other teams that finished around them, Adelaide and North, they've picked up talent the last three or four years. You know, that talent's developing and realistically is over the next couple of years, you're going to see these teams overtake them and Hawthorne actually need to finish bottom in my regard because they need to pick up one of those top two or three picks. They're not going to win. They need to start rebuilding and it is the only way to do it because Hawthorne, whilst they were a destination club once before, I don't think they are now, and they are in real dangerous territory, especially with all these talks about their members dropping off. There was talk two years ago about possibly them going to Tasmania or North Melbourne, and uh, I think it's really dangerous for them. They need to bottom out. They need to grow that talent. Merge, 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 merge. No. <laughs> I mean, you look at the, the two teams that have merged, you know, that had that potential, Hawthorne and Melbourne. Hawthorne have gone and won four premierships, five premierships in the last 20 years, uh, and Melbourne have won one. So, like, they made the right choice then, but they've got to keep the dream alive. They've got to go back to the draft because, you know, the last four or five years, their biggest recruit has been, what, Jonathan Patton and, and Kyle Hardigan? Like, what, and the best thing that they did was take a couple of photos, and that's about it, really, Pez. And force an early retirement. There you go. <laughs> exactly right, Pez. Exactly right. So I've got them finishing. Uh, we've both got them finishing the bottom four. Uh, no surprises there, hopefully, from Hawthorne fans. Really interested to hear the next team, Pez. We've got the Richmond Tigers, and there's a lot of indecisiveness about this team. We know that they get the, the big Dusty Martin back. Will he be the same player is the main question. Last year, they finished 12th. Uh, they had nine wins, 12 losses, and a draw. They bought in some um, some some medium sort of talent.
talent pairs, I guess. You know, Robbie Talent comes uh, Robbie Talent, sorry. <laughs> Robbie Tarrant comes from North Melbourne to play down back. Um, and they get the big inclusion of Dusty Martin, who's not a new name, but he is obviously a big return for the 2022 season. Uh, we're looking at their injuries. All of them should be uh, available within the first four weeks. No massive concerns. Tom Lynch should be ready before round one with that hamstring. Kane Lambert should be around in the in the first three or four um, rounds. Same with Dylan Grimes and Jack Graham. So they pretty much are at full strength, uh, repeating the same sort of list that uh, won him a premiership in 2020. Yeah, well, there we go. Richmond Footy Club. I, I can't believe when you look back at it now with the predictions from last year that they actually finished 12th last year and ha- had a really, you know, they were struggling for a long time. Asprey and Hooley, they, they create a real hole. Uh, with, with them leaving as well. So Asprey, one of their key defenders, and Hooley running off the half-back line. Now, Robbie Tarrant, he's a ready-made replacement, and he solves the Asprey problem straight away. So like for like there, Robbie Tarrant will come in. He's a great pickup from a, a bottom feeder club where you can pick up their talented players and, and slot them into your side ready to go. So kind of like the Tom Lynch up the up forward, slotted in Robbie Tarrant and hopefully an elite defender down back. Uh, the Hooley hole will need to be an inside fix. So they'll need other players to step up around him. We love Jaden Short and his elite kicking ability off the half back line. So he'll need to continue to do that and then get a little help uh, off from problems over there. Now, the thing I do worry about with Richmond, I think this is going to be a bounce back year for them, Source, but I do worry about injuries. So especially uh, Prestia and Lynch, you always see Prestia on the sideline with his ice pack and we saw it in the one and done preseason game as well. So soft tissue niggles uh, seem to be super common with uh, superstar players is, is not what you want to see if you are Richmond. But this side, I think they're going to be hungry. I think they're going to get back to playing uh, the football that made them a a great side and one of the greatest sides that we've ever seen. And they've still got those premiership players and that experience on their list. And they can't afford to go into a game and, you know, lose by three goals and then it costs them. And then they're playing behind the eight ball halfway through the season when they realize, oh, shit, we might not make the finals here. So they're going to be hungry from day dot. I've got them in the top four source. I've got them finishing third. And I, I think it's a really big back year where they can compete for the premiership. Wow, that, that, that is huge, Pez. Uh, I honestly found Richmond one of the hardest teams to, to properly analyse because I think what made it really tough, Pez, is they're basically, as I said, they're running the same team back with one or two slight changes. And as you said, like-for-like talent in there. The, the only difference realistically with it is that you've got players uh, with another year under their belt, uh, obviously, so they're a little bit older. You've got players that are coming back from injuries or who have had established injuries over that time with Prestia, Lynch and uh, Dustin Martin, who apparently reportedly has lost about 15k, uh, 15 kegs, you know, which is, which is pretty pivotal for, for Dusty Martin because one of his biggest assets was what pairs his strength. It's one of his biggest, one of his biggest assets. Obviously, he's elite kicking as well, and one of the superstars of the game. But you know, that's something that's going to take a little bit of a teething period. I'm really 50-50 with them. I think if they play their best football, and as you said, they avoid injuries, then they could easily make top four, and they definitely could have a bounce back. I think last year, they were extremely fatigued. I think the the hub was not a great place for them in that second year. They played right into October in 2020, and, um, you know, they didn't have a, a, a great preseason. You know, there was a lot of uh, problems in the, in the, in the hub for, for, for a couple of those players. Their culture was questioned. You know, the, there was a lot of things going on in the hub, and you can just ask Dimmer for that one. But as I said, that's if everything goes right. We know football games aren't like that. And as I said, it's not 2020 anymore, Pez. 
And I think a lot of teams got better around them. And I think that a lot of uh, teams know how Richmond play. They've started to emulate the way they play. So unless Richmond are doing something new, I actually don't see them improving that much. I've got them finishing 11th, Peds. So not making the eight for the second year in a row. Well, there we go. Very, very different. And the first one that's uh, extremely different for, for you and I. So we'll see where they uh, do end up finishing because that'll be... Um, That'll be one to watch because everyone knows how good of a team they can be. But your point, other teams have just gone past them. So uh, we'll find out. And we'll find out a lot about this next club as well because they played in the grand final source. And I'm speaking about your beloved Western Bulldogs. Now, they finished fifth last year. But as we said, they were grand finalists. So they ended up winning those finals and they've experienced doing that before in 2016 to get all the way to the big dance and we're tear to pass. Uh, by Melbourne and Christian Petrarca uh, in that grand final. They had glimpses of, of great stuff. They won 15 games last year. They lost seven. Uh, and then they bring back, or they bring in uh, a Tim O'Brien from Hawthorne. So a mature age recruit who hasn't shown too much in my eyes as, a, as an elite forward or a player that can make a difference. But I'm, I'm tipping they've brought him in to replace that Josh, Josh Bruce role for him doing his ACL uh, towards the end of last season. So he, he's set to return, Josh Bruce, uh, late this season. You've got um, Sam Darcy, who is their, you know, their prized possession, number one pick, Luke Darcy's son, who's got a foot stress fracture. So he's late season as well. So he doesn't look like he's going to be back in. Uh, and you've got uh, Tim O'Brien coming in with a hamstring as well. So not, not too much else on the on the injury list there for the Western Bulldogs. So they're pretty healthy with their with their best 22. But interested to see, they, they finished fifth on the ladder, second overall with losing the grand final. Are they there or thereabouts again, Source? They're a really interesting one, Pez. You know, I think that the biggest thing about the Western Bulldogs is that outside the, the, the premiership and the grand final, they haven't made the top four in the last 10 years. And the only finals that they've won within that time has been the grand final, which is, you know, 2016, which is fantastic, obviously. And last year's final series where they went. They're, they're a team that whilst uh, has, you know, been highly, highly talked about their talent in there, they haven't actually shown this during the regular season. You know, they beat up on those those teams that are that are terrible uh, and they sort of, you know, they beat, you know, it's a 50-50 coins, uh, coin toss against those good teams. And we, we continually talk about this. The biggest concern that we had last year, Pez, was where they're going to kick goals from. And I think, you know, as much as you don't like Josh Bruce, he was pivotal to them last year. He was their leading goal kicker last year. He's not going to be back until August. You go back to the year before, their leading goal t- kicker was Mitch Wallace. And Mitch Wallace is struggling to find a game in that. Now, I know that Norton only finished one behind Josh Bruce. I'm really concerned where their goals are going to come from. You know, you're looking at 50, 60 goals between Josh Bruce. Who's going to be kicking those goals? And it, and obviously, I know that they're going to find goals, as we saw through the finals series, through their midfield. But it's about the structure. We, Norton just jumps at everything. Unless he takes a massive, massive jump, which, you know, the way everyone talks about him, he should their forward line is really going to be an issue. And I, I think they're going to have a very similar year to last year where they beat up on those poor teams and the the, the good teams, they go 50-50 split. I've got them finishing fifth again, Pez. Um, you know, I think if, if things go right for them and they get some, some you know, some forward structure, then they should be all right. But, but realistically, I don't know where they're going to kick a winning score from against teams that matter. And I think... 
the teams that are in the top four, you know, without any spoilers, Pez, the last five years, we've had Brisbane up there. They've got an elite back line. You look at Geelong, they've got an elite back line. You look at Richmond, finished a couple of years ago up there, they've got an elite back line. They're really going to struggle if they can't score against those good teams. So I've got them finishing fifth. They're right. fifth, so fifth last year, fifth again this year. And uh, like your points about their forward line, yes, uh, the Josh Bruce dislike is real, but he was very good for their structure. He, he took a while to, to get involved there at the Bulldogs. Now, this is a team for me that uh, they get super close and then then they struggle with the fact that they get a harder fixture in the next year. So usually they're finishing seventh around there, um, going from there. Now that they're in the top six last year, they finished fifth. They played in the grand final, so they'll be looked at upon. They're going to have a, a harder fixture. So that's not going to do them well for playing against those um, harder teams twice. So what I'm thinking, the the loss of the grand final is going to hurt. They played extra time there. They, they kept going into the season. They were traveling a lot. They've still got a solid 22, and they're hoping that O'Brien will replace the Bruce thing. I don't think it can happen. He has been in the system a long time, so he might blossom and flourish out of nowhere, but we will have to wait and see. Uh, I love your point of the Mitch Wallace and, and Bruce with their goal kicking. I think Norton does have to step up and kick that those three goals a game. So Pally will be you know, forced to go down there and, and play and kick goals from the midfield, which isn't sustainable over a whole season. I'm too sure it is. I don't think they're going to compete for the top four, even though they're a grand finalist and Bulldogs fans are going to be uh, laughing at us, I guess, and, and giving us their comments on social media. So so bring them on. We'll see what happens. But I've got them down at seventh source, still making the finals, but not competing against those other sides above them. I think every side above them there that I've got on my letter is better than them. Yeah, and I, I actually really objectively, and I think you probably have two pairs. I know that we, we, we always joke about how much we don't like the Western Bulldogs and, and whatever, but I honestly, I think that their list, there's a, there's a lot of talent there, but when your best midfielder and your best forward is the same player, you, that's not sustainable for, for a whole year. And realistically, last year when they needed a goal, Bont went down and kicked one. When they needed the ball in the middle, Bont went and got the ball. He can't be kicking to himself, and they really need to address that. Hopefully for Doggies fans, Norton has that uh, this massive breakout season. He needs to stop jumping at everything. They need to tie him down and need to teach him some leading patterns. If they can do that, then yeah, they can They can maybe push into the top four. But I agree with your points there, Pez. I think that they went long into September, or into October, and I think there was a lot of problems after it. There was you know, a lot of... Uh, it, we haven't even really talked about Bailey Smith, but he was absolutely flogged in social media and there was a lot of pictures of him, you know, enjoying some beverages in nightclubs and, you know, becoming that real superstar. It can be taxing. And yeah, the premiership hangover is real as we know from the doggies and uh, making the grand final. I have reckon we'll have a similar sort of approach. So fifth to seventh with the possibility realistically pairs. I think both of us have this, that they could completely drop out of the eight. Oh, that would that would hurt a lot of, a lot of fans, and you, you'd think the talent there, especially with Bailey Smith and Bontempelli, I think surely that it's enough for them to continue to make the finals this year. But if they did drop out, that'd be a huge news in the AFL world. It really would be pairs, and as I said, you know that's worst case scenario. But both of us, have, you know, we weren't called. You didn't call me an idiot just then. It's a real a realistic thing for happening with them. You know, as you said, you hope that their talent enough is uh, enough to get them through. Speaking of talent, Pez, 
uh, or at the moment, uh, a little lack of. Uh, we talk about the next team on our list who has had probably one of the roughest um, <laughs> end of seasons, pre-seasons, and I think the last three years has really been fatiguing for you know the team we're about to talk to in the West Coast Eagles. Last year, they finished ninth somehow, Pez, uh, for a really disappointing year. They had 10 wins, 12 losses. Um <laughs> I mean, the, the main thing to talk about with West Coast is not their inclusions, Pez. I mean, they did bring in uh, Sam Petresti-Seaton from Carlton. To, uh, other than that, they just drafted players. But their injuries are huge. You've got... Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start, Pez. This, this list is huge. You've got Elliot Yo, who was injured in the last uh, in the later part of the season. His ankle is, is pretty much shot. It's the same ankle that he's done a couple of times. TBC, so we're not really sure. Alex Witherton, he's suspended until round two. Now, now that's not huge in terms of the season but it is important to see how many names they're missing in this round one. Luke Shuey, hamstring, hasn't been able to get on the park yet. From all reports, he should be ready for round one, but there's also been rumours that it's a little bit of a niggle there and it might take a little bit uh, longer to get back to. Dom Sheed, ankle, unsure how long. They're, they're, they're heavily recruited, Pez. Sam Petestri-Seaton, he's out before round one as well. Liam Ryan. Now, Liam Ryan should be back, but again, there's a test for round one on our sheet. Liam Duggan. Out, test for round one. Jack Darling, personal, we spoke about this on the show. He's out indefinitely for the, for, the, for the year, basically, or until he gets the jab or until the process changes. Jamie Cripps, pectoral, again, first five rounds. Uh, and then we've got Oscar Allen, who, who had a, a bit of an injury in the preseason. Um, Pez, that doesn't really leave much else. And, and I could stop talking now because I feel like I've been talking about it for 10 minutes. That was just their injury list. Yeah, that's um, that's quite shocking, isn't it? But the the big ones that, that play a part there, you got Yo, you got Sheed, and you got Darling. So you got three of your elite best players not there for the majority of the season. That that's gonna it's gonna hurt a little bit. And uh, this was one of the sides that I did notice when I was looking at uh, when I, other ladders did pop up when I've been looking at it uh, this week leading up that a lot of lot of uh, predictions or AFL folk had this team very, very low due to their injuries and things that are happening off the field as well. So you spoke about the rough preseason. So what are we going to do, uh, darling? Not getting vaccinated, injury after injury. We don't know what's happening there. So you take those three out of any side source. I don't care which side you are and you're going to be considerably worse. So the mindset of the Eagles hasn't been great over the last two years. You mentioned that in your little intro as well. So a big point that I had. They, they hated the hub source. They didn't want to go down to Brisbane. They cracked the shits. They didn't want to play. Uh, and then somehow they finished ninth after having a really poor season. Now, they need to win absolutely everything at home if they're going to be even a chance just to make the final source. So I can't see that actually happening. So usually, West Coast, you're a powerhouse. You, you win your games at home. You struggle away from home, but you win your, your four or five away. This time... It doesn't look like they're going to be winning many games away from home. And it doesn't look like they're going to be winning 80% of their games at home either. So I've actually got them down after all that, down at 13th source uh, to finish with the minnows down the bottom of the ladder. Pez, I love everything you've said there and I don't disagree with anything. And I actually, you know, I haven't been big on West Coast uh, realistically over the last couple of years. I had them missing the eight last year, Pez. Um, But I think... 
One thing that we did find out about West Coast over the last couple of years is how they're not very resilient when it comes to things. They bitched and moaned about the hub the first time and then they were really excited for, for 2021 and then the moment it went into a hub, what happened? Massive fall from grace and then when it got back to them playing games at home, they started creeping up the ladder. They won the last couple of games and you know had to run home for the finals. What I think has really happened and what is really, really clear cut is they were extremely vulnerable to be emotionally damaged from the, the, that hub and all these injuries and what we know about them and their resilience, I think this really affects them, Pez. Like, I think they're, they're absolutely going to be shot, not only talent-wise, I just think emotionally they're just going to be like, well, what can we do? You've got, you know, one of their best players is unavailable because of a choice. Now, obviously, we're not going to get into the political aspects. That's pretty frustrating for the team. That will be sitting on their minds. Then they've got all these other injuries, these soft tissue, soft, soft tissue injuries, and the frustration of, you know, I feel like in the last couple of years, all they've been saying is, oh, well, next year we'll, have, we'll be back to normal. Next year we'll be back to normal. And then this year's back to normal, and they've been hit. I've got them finishing really low pairs. I've got them finishing 16th. I, I don't see where their wins come from. You know, we talked about the Western Bulldogs not being able to score. The big question here is, Oscar Allen, is he going to be able to be a number two target. Now, he looks great as a number three target when your first defender goes to Kennedy, your second defender goes to Darling, and then he's the leftover. He's going to be having teams planned for him. I don't know if he's good enough for that, Pez. I don't really understand. You know, they've got Tim Kelly there. <laughs> he's going to be there. Other than that, I think that, you know, I actually think West Coast also don't want to win. I think that they're in a position where they don't need to win. They can bottom out a little bit and they can, there's no pressure from the media because they have so, had so many injuries. They like to homegrown their players. I think it'll put them in a position where they can actually sort of look to look for, you know, the next year. Again, the third year in a row that they're going to be going, hey, let's look to next year and get some, uh, some, some nice talent there. I've got them finishing 16th pairs. I don't know where their wins are going to come from. You can't even lock in those Perth games. No, and that's the that's the big thing, and the, the big thing that we watched all year. And Jack Darling, that's uh, that is the biggest hole left in any side this year uh, from that vaccine decision. So very controversial with things that are happening over at West Coast, but that uh, that does conclude our first nine teams, and uh, looking like absolute fire so far. Source so nine teams have been mentioned. We have part two coming out uh, early next week and then we've got our round one show coming out early next week as well so very exciting times at behind the boundary podcast make sure you jump on board at behind the bound and, and tune in and find out when part two gets released later on because if your team hasn't been mentioned yet they're going to be mentioned in the next show so also i'm going to give you a quick rundown a quick list these are the clubs that we still get to talk about gws melbourne north Fremantle, adelaide essendon brisbane st and geelong yeah, really looking forward to it, Pez. Uh, as you said, it's going to be a busy couple of uh, couple of days for us leading into the season. We've got the next show. We've got our round one show, and there's only seven days to, uh, to go, Pez. This time next week, we'll be sitting there watching uh, the opener, season opener, as we spoke in our last year. Unfortunately, the grand final replay in Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. Pez, last thing for the fans is, if you disagree with any of the things that we've said here and the points that we've made, two things you need to do. One, you need to jump on Twitter and let us know about your thoughts. Put up your ladder predictions. Tell us about where we got it wrong. Second of all, you need to put your money where your mouth is. If you think you're so good at picking the winners, have a go at picking the losers and join our loser comp. Jump onto our Twitter, <laughs> all our socials, register. The 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 after the one show pairs, it's already starting to build. We're halfway to our to our goal pairs. We want to get to a thousand dollars for the for the prize winning money. And as you know, winner takes all. 
tip the loser. You get one life. You can only tip every team once. Pretty simple, pretty easy to make some big cash. Yep, get on board and, and get in it. Um, I love it, Sauce. On the way to a 1,000, it's life-changing money. It is. Here at Behind the Boundary <laughs> Podcast. So um, that's exactly what we need to be handing out. Uh, really enjoyed that. We've got nine. Uh, always disagree, Sauce. So we've always disagreed on, on some teams there. We've got some pretty big gaps, which I'm excited about. And we've got nine more gaps to fill in part two of our show. So at Behind the Bound on Twitter. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys.